How you doing, chaps? Welcome, one and all. Um, went to the local auction this morning and uh, saw an absolute unit of a bull, which was a wonderful and beautiful sight to behold, creation. But I was just it just got me thinking, you know, here I am in rural, agrarian Indiana, and uh, thinking about how, you know, wearing any kind of symbolism of, of America is now considered neo-Nazi, you know? And I got, uh, I got like onto this whole thing of stereotypes and tropes and it's like, whoa, like these guys have done such a great job, you know, through the propaganda of Hollywood movies and, and all of this kind of stuff of attaching all this crazy, unimaginably evil evilness to the word Nazi. And of course, you know, you can't say uh, of some American guy who believes in Christian marriage that he's a Nazi because it's like, I'm not a Nazi. Like that's, you know, that's, it's not the same thing. So they then attach the word neo, neo-Nazi, which is amazing on, on quite a few fronts. Number one, alliteration. Everybody loves alliteration. Neo-Nazi. Wow. But number two, it allows you to obfuscate the Nazi all of the Nazi meaning onto someone who's not a Nazi because no, okay, fine. You're not a Nazi, but you're a neo Nazi. And it's like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> he's a neo Nazi. And it just, you know, I really got, I, I got thinking on, on this whole thing of, of just how funny it is with, with the Amish guys, the Amish, the overlap between Nazi and Amish is pretty, <laughs> is pretty, uh, is pretty good overlap. N nearly perfect circle. Did they escape in 1945 and come to Pennsylvania and just simply take off the eagle from their plain clothes and their uniforms? You know, so here's here's the Amish, right? They wear uniforms. The Nazis wore uniforms. They speak German. The Nazis spoke German. They're natalists, blood and soil. The Nazis were natalist blood and soil. They are, um, they're fascistically exclusionary of outsiders and parasites and people who don't stick to the norms. The Nazis were fascist exclusionarial bastards, you know? So it's just really hilarious. Like, oh my gosh, are the Amish the neo-Nazis? Blonde German children right here in America? Pretty funny. But, but I, I got laughing because, you know, on Twitter, I'll get, you know, I'll get a few likes here and there for some random little thoughts. But the moment I post anything about homesteading, anything about food production, anything about gardening, anything about marriage, anything about family. It's like all, every, all, all notifications light up. We've hit the, we've hit the golden zone here, fellas. And, I, and so not neo-Nazis only want one thing, homesteads, families, gardens, peace, you know, whatever it is. But it's like, oh my gosh. Are we just neo-Amish, you know? Because I'm thinking, you know, the, the great secret source of the Amish is that they speak a different language and they have some peculiarities which act as a very high barrier to entry. You know, very few of us are willing to give up technology and 21st century comforts, uh, even though we highly hunger after their social technology, belonging, meaning community, etc. And so they have a high barrier to entry. So it's like, okay, 
we're not full-blown Amish, we're neo-Amish. So we, we want what they had uh, just in a modern epoch, a modern manifestation, a modern, you know, natural zone. And, and it just gets you laughing, you know, all these, all these guys who are super edgy and super um, dissident and super right-wing, you know, at the end of the day, we all just want one thing. We just want a family and a homestead and a little bit of respect. You know, I, I, uh, I retweeted a guy on Twitter today who was saying like, guys want logical woman. They want reasonable woman. They want all the stuff. It's like, are you sure you just don't want a dude? And I was like, I, I don't think I know any guy who wants a logical or reasonable woman. It's like, whoa, bro, your girlfriend is so logical and reasonable. Oh man. Like, yeah, good job. It's like, no, no, no. guys want sex a home and respect. It's like, that's the, you know, you, you take care of those three things and no one really cares about it, anything else. I mean, obviously there's certain flavors and styles that we all have preferences for, but it's really funny when, when you get into this thing um, of what is it that we want? You know, at the end of the day, we want very simple things, but you keep getting framed as some extremist, some neo-Nazi, you know, some evil, terrible man, evil son of Satan, you know, whatever clown worlds, uh, you are Hitler. And it's like, actually, I, I just kind of want the ideal life that I imagine my grandfather having or my great grandfather having, you know? And so, so in this way, we can really start to understand the psychology of Number one, framing the ideal life, right? Framing the vision for ourselves. Because it's so easy, like, you know, when when your your enemy is constantly trying to bait you, bait you, bait you into being like, you're a terrorist, you're a domestic terrorist, you're a Nazi, you're a racist, you're a misogynist, you're a bigot, all this stuff, you know. At first, the little soul boys and us are like, no, 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 we're not, please, we'll do anything not to be called a racist. And you, you do that because you just want his, you know, little family, you know, they, they'll just, they'll just see that, wow, these guys are just such good guys, nice guys. You're like, yes, they're right. And we'll swing back into the center. It's like, sorry, chaps, you know, these, these institutions, these guys who are, are our, our cultural enemy, they are so far, uh, so far ideologically more committed than we are to their ideology of clown the absolute clown world, neo-clownism. And we don't, we don't understand that, you know? And so we, we try and we try and engage them as if they were our friends or as if they were our compatriots, you know, Oh, they're, you know, we're all together. We're all in this together. You know, we're all the same tribe wanting the same goals. We all just want a nice wife and a nice homestead. And it's like, sorry, buddy, you know, you're the only one who wants that. They want the destruction of beauty. They want the destruction of Christendom. They want the destruction of morality. They want the destruction of God. They want the destruction of uh, nature and order. And so, you know, we get to this place of like being like, okay, like we can, we can see through the paper walls of political correctness and terror that keep us uh, from, from, from just enjoying our life, right? The Amish just enjoy their life, you know? Like the dude is just enjoying He's got his wife, he's got his 12 children, he's got his farm, he's got his buggy, he's got his horse, he's got his bull, he's got his pigs, he's got his chickens, he's got his friends, he's got his church, he's got his little interest, 
you know, whatever hobby or whatever his hobby is. And it's like, dude is just crushing. He couldn't care less for what enemy, they have a very clear friend enemy distinction. He couldn't care less for what enemy institutions are saying is right or are saying he should do, or, you know, saying that the Amish are evil. It's like, we don't care. Your opinion means nothing to us, fella. What, how, whatever that is in German, say that in German. And so, and so here we are, we look, we look at them and we're like, wow, like, you know, once you can throw off that fear of being rejected by institutions that we thought were ours, you know, if you, if you were raised in an orphanage and the, the, the border master or the, the schoolmaster or whatever, the orphan master uh, bullies you and, and beats you and punishes you and abuses you. And you're afraid of losing his love and approval. It's like you're in a Stockholm syndrome of like, but he's the authority figure in my life. I love him. He loves me. And it's like, no, dude, you're being abused the heck out of, out of your life. Like this is a dreary existence. And then some wonderful, nice family comes and adopts you and takes you home. And you're like, whoa, like I never knew this was possible. I never knew. But meanwhile, the headmaster has been saying like, you don't want to be adopted. All the families out there hate you. All the families out there, you're going to get abused so much when you go there. You, you know, and so you're like scared of, of leaving the institutions. You know, you're scared of losing the approval of the master. You're scared of lo losing these friendships of all these other orphans who are, are all, you know, worshiping the master. And it's like, no, no, no. There's a father who loves us. There's a mother who loves us. Like there's a whole new friend group. Like here, play with your new brothers and sisters and a family. Like we can't imagine this, right? And so we have to look at other guys who are doing this and who are, are they laugh at these institutions. They laugh at social acceptance from the master. They laugh at all these English being abused. Rob, good afternoon, brother. Sorry, yo, and welcome. W Laser, thank you so much for uh, sorting out our uh, most important thing, which is being able to hear what's going on. Red Sneaker, welcome, brother. Yeah, Rob, how's it, bro? Uh, you know, fashionably late would be the word. So, yeah, I just want to, I wanted to just encourage us today of, of really getting into this thing of understanding ourselves as different. And how do we see ourselves as different? It, it comes by, you know, having a gang. It comes by having gang colors, a gang name, you know. And, and uh, unfortunately, what happened was we, we once had a gang. You know, that gang was called Britain or America or, you know, whatever your nation was. Your nation was your gang. And our nation was subverted. We had a parasitic virus, software virus come in. Uh, to the point where we cannot, we can no longer distinguish who is our nation and who is not, who are our institutions and who are not, who are our people and who are not. And so we now have this wonderful, wonderful tool called the internet, which allows us to hyper sift, hyper discern um, each other's uh, values, you know? And so you start forming these little tribes because a lot of guys are like, oh man, I don't have a tribe or I don't have any belonging or I don't have a gang. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's called Twitter. It's called YouTube. It's called, you know, whatever online connections you're making with guys, because we, we are so, we're so disconnected in our local area. You know, you go to a church and you think you're safe at church and you're not, you know, because half the guys are a bunch of feminists or a bunch of uh, liberal clowns. 
and you're like, oh my gosh, they would they would totally throw me under the bus, uh, report me, dox me, get me lose, make me lose my job, whatever. Like you're not safe there. You know, praise God if you are. Praise God if you have found local community, local uh, belonging. But I think this is the thing we're we're heading towards is to start seeing. Um, our online interactions with guys who are becoming safe, who are becoming, uh, you're like, wow, this guy, this guy has the same values as me, or he's hitting on the same uh, direction as I am. You know, and it's such a, it's such an important thing to not, you know, so again, they try and meme it. They try and propagandize of like, oh, you guys are just extremely online, or you guys are just LARPing, or you guys are, are you know, you've got to, you know, this is, there's no, there's no reality here. It's like, no, 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 like, it's just a touch point. We've got to see it for what it is. You know, YouTube is just a touch point. Twitter is just a touch point. You know, we want to move to email and phone calls and meetups and uh, and projects together and, and things like that. And it's like, okay, what are the projects? Boogaloo? Are we going to go wear Hawaiian shirts on January 6th? It's like, no, chaps, like, go buy a property together. Swap seeds. Help each other meet single girls that you know who are virtuous. That's the real boogaloo. That's neo-Amish extremism. So just really excited about that. So uh, one of those, let's let's dive into some, some details here that we've been hitting on the last couple of days. So my post, I posted a picture of my wife unloading the boxes of meat into the freezer. And it, I think it's the closest thing I have to online fame, the amount of uh, interaction it got. But one guy... Uh, he said, this is now the sign, a chest freezer full of meat is now the sign of the new American upper class. You know, the fact that we can stay in one place long enough to finally get a, a, a chest freezer. And I was like, dude, you hit it on the head. You know, that was our story. That was our, that was our, my wife and I, I think we've moved 10 times. I think we moved like, we've been married coming on five years now. We'll be married five years in the fall. And we've moved, I think, about 10 or 11 times in that five years. You know, and it's it's this, is it the millennial rootlessness? Maybe. You know, is it the sign of the times of the, the decline of empire and, and, you know, maybe us being a more intuitive or perceptive uh, uh, people, we, we can feel things are going on. Like, okay, we we're, this isn't it. Like, there's no time to waste. Let's try and figure out what it is. You know, and, and so it's been a really fascinating thing for us of like really getting in, you know, that's where reading Wendell Berry, I think really ticked that off. You know, we'd, we'd been moving around and like, and you've been memed into it, like travel, travel, don't have kids, travel, you know, all this crap and reading Wendell Berry, you know, talking about blood and soil, talking about generations, heritage, inheritance, legacy, you know, talking about how a piece of land, you don't own a piece of land. Once a piece of land goes multi-generational in your family, that piece of land owns you. And it's just like, God, I want this. This neo-Nazism. Wendell Berry, are you a Nazi? The soil. You know, you're like, okay, Lord, we want stability. We want roots. Even if it's in a place, you know, and, and in a way, like this is kind of, you know, California, I've been told, is one of the most beautiful places on, on earth. And Colorado, one of the most beautiful places on earth. And Florida, great tropical weather, you know. The problem is people flock there uh, and it becomes a liberal hot zone because it's easy to live there. Well, it's expensive to live there, which which then leads to high, uh, high 
white collar job people moving there, which are, are usually liberal liberal as well. But what we have in these like boring rural towns, uh, Owen Cyclops on Twitter, that that cartoonist artist guy, he made a, a great Venn diagram. He said, uh, you know, in the middle of the the two circles was uh, a boring life in a boring town, and he's like, me as a sixteen year old, like my worst nightmare, a boring life in a boring town, and like me as a thirty year old, my greatest dream, a boring life in a boring town, and a boring town is what is what it's a high barrier to entry. It's one of our neo-Amish exclusionary barriers. You know, liberals, oh, there's no Whole Foods there. There's no, you know, soy lattes and I can do everything with one click of my car. There's no high-speed internet. It's like, no, my Wi-Fi keeps blotting out every 10 minutes. Welcome to rural, rural, ruralness. And it's like, but wow, like, okay, that is one of the prices of um, a, a barrier to entry for liberals is having a super boring place, you know, having a flat uh, rural town. I was like, okay, you can build a life here and they're not going to come and try and steal it because it's not trendy. It's not cool. Um, and so I was just thinking of that for us, you know, it's, it is really a, a whole mindset change of like wanting to live in Florida, wanting to live in California to finding a little backwater rural town. And being like, can this piece of land own my family for generations to come? It's like, whoa, this land needs me. I'll go to bed for you, land. And then the next thing we touched on was uh, my wife and I made a video on our, our shared YouTube channel that we have. of we, we upload some more produced videos. And we touched on why... Uh, ladies shouldn't go to college and my wife you know just because she went to college she did the classic you know she was very sheltered her parents were great very conservative um and she went to college and praise god you know she didn't get on the whole uh, feminist um bus but it was still damaging to her femininity and damaging to her virtue um and so she recommended that young ladies don't go to college and her Instagram was just like, you know, she's touched a liberal idol. She's touched a clown world idol. She touched the clown itself. The clown in our hearts must be exorcised. And it's just hilarious. You know, it's, it's the sunken cost. You know, you get these, you get these girls who, who sunk their most fertile years, the most beautiful years, their most high sexual market value years into a degenerate, indoctrination camp that saddled them with debt and made them go get a career where they are now abused uh, and exploited. And, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm a Bosch babe now. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's great. You know, let us know when the empty void uh, gets painful enough and we'll help you out of it. You know, I think like that's our, our, our biggest regret, you know, is not getting, not getting married young. And, you know, a lot of guys are like, well, I don't want to, you know, like I don't want to, a lot of girls on her Instagram is like, I don't want to offend my husband because I met him at college. But, you know, it's like, no, like we can talk honestly about this. Like my wife and I can can talk honestly about this. Of like, it would have been better if, you know, she had been married at 18 and not gone to college. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a, like, that's not a touchy subject. It's like, yeah, everyone can see it. Like 
girls would be far better getting married at 18 and having children and being a homemaker and learning skills from their parents and then being a help me to their husband. And it's just like, man, you say that and it's just like all hell has gone loose because these it's a sunken cost, right? Not only is it a sunken cost, you cannot get those SMV years back, you know? So from 16 to 24 is a girl's highest sexual market value. And it's like, she will never get that back. She will never have the options she had. She will never have the space and, and wealth that she had then. And so now as a, you know, 30 something year old, she looks back with regret and she looks back with bitterness and she looks back with hatred on rightly on the system, you know, that her, her dad didn't, didn't, um, teach her how to steward her value and how to, how to trade her value in uh, for the highest possible value man. And here she is now single being a boss babe or having to settle for a low value guy because now she is, is, is super low value. She's lost the ability to trade in that high value. It's gone forever. So not only is it a sunken cost that she's digging out of, it's also a, uh, you, you lost an opportunity. It's a lost opportunity to Domingo. Welcome brother. I hate how they shame young mothers here in the UK. Yeah, you know, and and so and so this is it, right? So these girls who have who have both sunk in cost and lost opportunity, they instead of you know, it's the classic druggy. I don't know how many of you guys at high school had the you know once a year they would roll the the guy out whose whole ministry was, yeah, man, I was a druggy, I was an alcoholic, I went to prison, I stabbed a guy, you know, I oh man, I shot some guys. You know, life was really tough. And so don't do drugs. Don't do alcohol. Uh, that's my presentation. And it was, it was always great. Like, it was always inspiring. Like, dudes were like, that's pretty hectic. Like, you know, and so you, it's a negative testimony. It's a negative vision that a guy is bringing back to the, to the majority and saying, guys, I did the I did the bad thing. Don't do what I did. Here's why. And everyone's like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's this, it's not the same for girls though. Right. The majority of girls are like, instead of coming back to the majority of young girls who are 16, 17, 18 at the height, at the peak of their sexual market value and saying, look at my life. You don't want this. Look at the hellscape that I've lived through. You can avoid this. Don't go to college. Don't get in debt. Don't sleep with a thousand guys. Don't listen to the feminists. Don't cut your hair. Don't gain weight. Don't uh, try to be a boss babe, strong, independent woman. Look for the most highest value guy you can get and trade in your chips and then be a helpmeet and a mother and a homemaker. Like you would think that's what this whole swarm of millennial uh, boss babes who are all now facing the void of just absolute meaninglessness. You'd think they'd all come back and be like, guys, it didn't work. Don't do what we did. Instead, they're like, because all of the guys in their age group, all the 30 year old guys are all now going for the 18 year old girls. And so they are pissed and they're like, you know, how do we go and destroy their chances? You know, it's bitterness, it's bitterness and envy and resentment. So, um, anyway, we're that all that being said, um, you know, we just feel for ourselves. It's like, and again, nothing's wasted, you know? So for a lot of us guys, it's like, you know, how do you, like Scott, how do you deal with resentment? How do you deal with lost opportunity and sunken cost? And it's like, you repent, you know, you say, God, I wish I'd never done that. 
uh, and I cast that disappointment, that anger, that bitterness, that resentment um, at your feet. And I ask that you would not, I ask that you would make of me someone who is not defined by that, but is now able to, to move from this and, and that you repay what the enemy has stolen from my life. You know, and that gives you a great outlook on life. It allows you to speak honestly to the people who, you know, it allows you to speak to young men and say, don't be a druggie. It allows you to speak to young ladies and say, don't go to university because you've, you've, you've converted the disappointment into a, a, a vision, a positive, meaningful ministry for your life of like, guys, don't do this. Look at my life. Right. And then you can also, it's a, it's a great, you know, it's just, we've got to change what a positive vision is. You know, that's to the like you say, they're shaming young mothers in the UK. And it's like, yeah, that's what clown world does. They shame people who don't go to university. They shame people who do get married and who do have great marriages. And, you know, it's like they shame it and they want to break it and they want to destroy it. Why? Neo-Amish, right? Nazism is having a strong marriage where you have biblical gender roles, where you have many children, where you have a home economy that you can't be canceled from, where you're just a part of a community. You have belonging and meaning and contribution. And it's like that, that what I've just described doesn't need government. It doesn't need banks. It doesn't need Hollywood. And so it's like, they are like, we've got to break that to get more power, to get more. And again, this is honoring to God. This is the image of God. So they hate God. How do we do it? We break the image of God, right? We men are the image of God. So it's like, how do we break the man? Well, one way is to break the woman so that his helpmeet is instead trying to control him and a nag and a hag. And, you know, you break the marriages. And it's like, it's just once you see it, you're like, okay, I see it. You know, I, I see, I see everything. And, and for a lot of us, it's like, man, I wish I'd known this at 16. You know, and it's like, well, that's not the case, you know. So wherever you are now, you could be 50, you know. It's not to get, and again, it's the, the stages of, of acceptance, right, of like anger, uh, sorry, denial, anger, sadness, or grief, right? And it's like, yes, you're going to deny. Like, oh, girls can go to college. Girls can do anything a guy can do. Oh, you know, uh, men don't need a mission. You know, men are subordinate to women. Like you can deny, deny, deny. And it's like, okay, then you're going to get to anger because you're angry that clown world lied to you. You're angry that you're living in a circus rather than in a beautiful, wonderful, meaningful life. And then it's sadness, right? You deal with incredible grief, incredible loss, you know, loss of time that you'll never get back, loss of opportunities that you'll never get back. And we have to go through those emotions, you know? And what do we do with all those emotions? You bring them to God. And you say, all right, Lord, I don't know what to do. But here I am, you know? And and it's like, all right, Lord, it is David in the desert, you know? We're 400 men who had blown it. They'd blown their lives. They come to David and they're like, I'm up for anything. What do you want, what do you want me to do, Lord? That's David. David is Jesus, right? And we come with our blown out lives and we, we go and camp around Jesus and he leads us through the desert of our lives. He leads us through the pain and the crap and the regret and the, the lack of uh, results, lack of 
you know, we've got all these dreams, these broken dreams that never, it's like, just keep following Jesus through the desert and you'll become a mighty man. A cool uh, quote from Kiwi Bear, a guy on Twitter, I, I, it's like burned into my brain because I was just like, bruh, like I felt it. He was talking about with with marriage because, you know, a lot of guys were like, when I said that whole thing of like, what do guys want? We want sex, a home and respect, you know, and it's respect is a, you know, that's one of the biggest things they break out of ladies, you know, through propaganda and academia. They break them out of, of their right position in the hierarchy, which is pegged to their man, right? What's the peg? The peg is respect. The peg is helpfulness. The peg is beauty. That's what pegs them either to their father, to their husband, or to their sons. So what they do at university is they break honor hierarchies. And they're like, you don't need to respect a man. You don't need to be beautiful. You don't need to be helpful. You are a strong, independent woman. And they respect you boss, babe, you know, and it's like, okay, like that's why these marriages struggle is because, you know, it, it's really great. My wife was reading this uh, book. I'm trying to think who it was. Anyway, she was saying, oh, I think it was Elizabeth Elliot, who was the, the wife of the famous missionary who was speared. But she said, um, submission is submission to your husband is not when you abstain. But so Kiwi Bear, he says this thing, which is just, which is just great. He says, your wife should have a less thought out, but more extreme version of your ideology. Your wife should have a less thought out, but more extreme version of your ideology. And it's just like, dude, that is, that is astute. Like that is philosophy 5,000. And I was just thinking about that. And it's like, yeah, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of liberals, a, a lot of guys in the liberal frame, the effeminate frame, which I came out of, am still coming out of. You see your wife as a ideological partner, right? Well, what do you think about this? How do you see this? Well, what do you think we should do? Like, you know, and, and so we think that we should have with our wife a, uh, a partnership of steering. Like, well, you make decisions, then I'll make decisions. And we'll da -da -da all this together. But as men, we are given the burden of authority, of direction, of frame, of being like, well, actually, God's word said this. And so as a man after God's heart, this is where I'm going to go. And then your wife, out of respect, out of submission, comes under that frame, under that direction. And like, I'm still working this out, right? Because I didn't experience this with my dad. You don't experience this with propaganda. You don't experience this in clown world. And so you're afraid. A lot of guys are afraid to just tell a girl, this is what we're doing. Let's go and do it. And, and actually like the feminine, the feminine energy wants that they want direction, right? The feminine is energy. The feminine is amplification, right? Uh, a less thought out, but more extreme version of your direction, right? The masculine is direction. The masculine is rock. The masculine is, is, is strength. And so we come to Eve and we're like, well, you know, I don't really know. Where do you want to go? I don't really know. Like, oh, I don't know if God really said, and you know, and so we have to come out of this effeminate frame. And it's like, no, no, no. Like I set the vision. I set the frame. And of course, you know, of course you chat with your wife. Like my wife and I talk about everything. 
we discuss everything. But it's not me putting on her the direction. It's not me putting on her the responsibility for making a decision. It's me processing and then her processing. And then at the end of the day, it's like, great, this is where I'm I'm going. And she lovingly respects and and serves and helps me in my direction. And it's like, okay, that's when you feel polarity. That's when you feel energy, right? But it's like, and my wife will say this, like she was taught to be a strong, independent woman. It's like, I do what I want. I want to do that. And they live two separate lives. You know, then as a young boy, you grow up being like, well, you know, you can't control women. You can't tell them what to do. Like It's energy, right? So you, you, you come into this place of incredible uh, energy without direction becomes chaos, right? And so a lot of guys hate the feminine nature, nature, which is feminine energy, because they're not directing it. They're not giving it a direction. So it comes out as chaos. It comes out as just like, this is crazy right? But it's often, it's a reflection on us of not giving direction, not giving discipline, not giving uh, boundaries, you know? So I just thought that was a really great, um, a great thing for us to ponder on as well of, of this whole thing of, of the neo-Amish, you know, the, the patriarchal view of life, it is our burden to set frame. It is our burden to direct and lead the way. It's our burden as well to to call ladies into that mission into submission into that mission of like and not not like the you know the oh discipline and it's like you know you lock your wife in the basement and it's like no 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 like you'll actually find that if if you have a, a, a nice girl like she wants to follow you you know be a man worthy of following you know a lot of girls on on my wife's instagram were like well wish me nice uh, it's the guys who are into computer games and porn. There's no good men anymore. And I was just like, value attracts value. You know, if you're, if you, if you don't have a guy attracted to you, that's not the guy's fault. That's your level of attraction. Or you, you expect Chris Hemsworth, Captain America, when you are more, you know, cashier at the Seven Eleven. And again, no disrespect to the cashier at the 7-Eleven. Mr. Mr. Avra Patel, you know, it's probably a very wealthy guy. <laughs> There's a, a huge disconnect when it comes to that thing of, you know, mm, it's all the guy's fault. And it's like, you're, you're in the victim frame. You're in the feminist propaganda. You're in the clown world propaganda of like, you know, you probably had two or three guys over your last, 12 years who've pursued you, who've shown interest in you, who are attracted to you. And you're like, no, I'm better than you. I've got a university degree. I'm a Bosch babe. It's really, it's really, it's really fascinating to watch. Anyway, all of that being said, the Amish are a great positive demonstration for us. You know, we don't want to become Amish. We don't want to, uh, you know, I think for a lot of us, it's like almost become Amish. You know, we've 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 been molded into too many modern things. So it's like, okay, we'll embrace that neo Amish. You know, so what are the points that we can draw out and put into our modern context? You know, and so uh, one of the biggest things there is obviously you know patriarchy, gender roles of men being like, okay, I'm going to lead. 
You know, I think a lot of guys as well fall into a victim mindset of like, well, there's no good women around. You know, all the women are just, you know, it's like, no, no, no. You're looking for them in the wrong place. You're going to university and looking at girls who are banging a hundred dudes at university and getting indoctrinated into feminism. You know, there are, there are young girls who are still have strong fathers, you know, who are not, who are not yet being thrown into the container of clown world. And so that's where you want to, you want to, you know, find girls who are, who are, you know, and I, I say that thing of, of 50 years ago, there were cultural Christians, people who weren't Christians, but they were just in the context in, they were, they were caught in the frame of cultural Christianity. And so that's what they were. And it's the same today. There are many women, you know, I, I, I would wager 90% of women are just cultural feminists. They're caught in that frame, waiting for a strong man to come and pull them out of that frame and give them a new direction. And, you know, obviously there'll be, there'll be growing pains. There'll be, there'll be change of habits, change of mindsets, change of, of lifestyle. You know, you can't just be the boss babe anymore. You can't just be the strong independent woman. And it's like, but they'll, they'll understand they don't want to be, you know? And so a lot of guys, it's like, you can't be a victim either. You know, you I'm a man of, of strong direction. And again, value attracts value, you know? So be a man of, of strong direction, confidence. Um, and getting to, you know, this is what, this is something that I'm really working on at the moment is like, oh my gosh, God's word says this, like, well, it's quite scary to bring up with the world. It's quite scary to bring up with your wife. It's quite scary to bring up with your family. Like it's quite scary to set boundaries that no one else understands, believes in, or thinks is crazy, you know? And that's where David was a man after God's heart because like God said it, even to my own harm or humiliation, I'm going to sit in this, sit in this word and, and frame. And then the other thing uh, is, is understanding um, barrier to entry for belonging. You know, if we look too much like the world, then there is no barrier to, to belonging with us, right? If I look like my neighbor, then it's like, yeah, we belong together. If I look like a Seattle, Portland, Los Angelite soy boy, then we belong together, right? There's belonging. So optics are very important. That's why the Amish have uniforms and they have hair and beard expectations and stuff. And it's like, you know, not, not saying that we should have uniforms, but I'm saying we should be understand that our bodies, our optics, our, what we present in the world displays belonging. Who can belong to me? You know, and, 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 you know, right now it's super hot out and I'm wearing a t-shirt and I'm going around in short shorts, but it's like, if you're going to, if you're going to go to be dressed like them, being a gray man, why would you go to Los Angeles? Oh my God. So anyway, it's just something to think on, on for us, you know, of this whole thing of, of by sight, I think you can see a man's spirit. You can see a man's strength. You can see a man's confidence. You know, and I think that's something for us to cultivate beyond clothing, beyond style, is is physical strength, physical health, bodily confidence, uh, as well as a spirit of strength, not being afraid, right? You can see men who are not afraid of being called all these linguistic kill shots, you know? And, and, and that's where we just start smiling at things, you know? You go call an Amish man, you go find an Amish man somewhere and you'd be like, you're a racist. And he'll look at you and be like, carry on doing what he's doing, you know? Like, couldn't care less. And it's the same for us afraid is because we fear being rejected from these institutions and we've been shown 
they 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 um, show and aggrandize times when a guy was cancelled. This guy said the wrong word and he lost his job. He lost everything. His wife divorced him. He just ah, that bloody bigot got he got what he deserved, you know. And this guy, this guy said this word job or you know all that kind of stuff. It's like you know just it's like come on chaps you know we we have to understand this thing of you know it's the same thing with with you know my wife and i often talk about when we counsel young the young ladies your husband is not going to fulfill you for girls your husband is not going to fulfill you you have to be fulfilled in your own faith you have to have your own uh, identity and meaning and relationship with the lord your husband is not your husband is not here to make you happy same with men of your your job is not here to fulfill you. Your social standing is not here to fulfill you. It's not here to make you happy. So you lose your job. You lose your social understanding. Oh, my God, my life fell apart. And it's like, chaps, that's where David, he, he understood. He encouraged himself in the Lord. My job is just something I do unto the Lord. My social standing is just something I do unto the Lord. And that's the place where you fear the Lord only. You know, you don't care about rejection. You don't care about, you know, even to the point, I think so many of us are afraid of upset women or of being rejected by women. And it's like, guys, same thing. It's like, if they're not willing to do, to submit to your leadership and guidance, stop being so afraid. Like, you know, we, we think as again, being brought up in the priestly domain of like, got to please the you're being a man on a mission, you know? And that's the second thing of like, don't be a guy who just mopes around and sits around without a mission. You need a mission. You need a mission, which is working unto the Lord, being fearless unto the Lord. And then it's like, man, you become a guy worth being chased by your wife, being being uh, honorable. And, and what's what I'm looking for? Uh, you know, your wife is proud and, and, and wants to respect you. You know, anyway. W. Laser, do the Amish own firearms? I believe they do not. I mean, they might for uh, for farm use. You know, I... I I imagine. Um, so the Amish are pacifists. So what, what a lot of people don't understand about them, they were in uh, in a part of Europe, uh, Germany, into like Belgium, along that, that river, I think it was the Rhine or whatever. So France, Germany, Belgium area. And they were being thrown into, you know, put in sacks and thrown in rivers and being persecuted pretty heavily. And so that's why they left and came to America because they're pacifists. They don't want to fight back, you know, and that is the one, you know, they've got faith in it. They do what they want to do. Whereas I think I, I have a far more, I have a far more robust theology of boundary setting and boundary keeping. You know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a sin to shoot someone who uh, breaks into your house. I don't think it's a sin uh, to, uh, do violence to someone who is doing violence to you. And so, you know, I, I do believe there is righteous war. I do believe there is righteous violence. And I think that's, that's just a, I think that's a dominion thing. Cause I think a lot of liberal Christians uh, would struggle being um, with any form of killing, except for infanticide and any type of killing, except for foreign wars of uh, human rights abuses. So yeah, it's really fun. Right, gentlemen, I appreciate uh, appreciate you chaps in the comments and uh, salvaging me from a muted uh, start to this video. And I pray you have a great 
um, evening. 